coming up. We certainly want to bring some measure of closure to the families of these three children. And of course, hopefully, uh, in, the, in that same moment, exonerate uh, Damian Eccles, Jason Baldwin, and Jesse Kelly. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. And I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Evidence that was thought to have been destroyed in a fire in the West Memphis 3 case has been found. The men accused of murder in that West Memphis 3 case may get a second chance to argue their innocence. Evidence that was said to have been destroyed has actually been found intact, and now they're trying to have it tested for DNA analysis. In Washington state, a man has been sentenced to 25 years behind bars for the poisoning death of his wife. He's only sorry he didn't get away with murdering Peggy. Our grief over the death of Peggy will always be with us. Peggy's life had value and meaning, and we will always miss her. Rita, there's been some recent news related to the West Memphis 3 case, which you covered last summer with Mercedes McKay, a reporter at KTHV in Little Rock. Refresh us on the background of this case. Yeah, well, it's it's a little tricky to give a quick background because it's this case has been just a long, winding road, but... It goes all the way back to 1993 when three young children were killed in West Memphis, Arkansas. They were all second graders. Their names are Steve Edward Branch, Christopher Mark Byers, and James Michael Moore. And it was just a horrific case. And as you can imagine, the entire community was demanding answers. And that's where the West Memphis Three come in. They were three teenagers who were eventually arrested for the killings. Their names are Jason Baldwin, Jesse Miss Kelly, and Damian Eccles. And what led police to these three teenagers and what would ultimately be the alleged motive at trial was this belief among investigators that the killings were somehow related to satanic cult activity. And these are kids who, they reportedly, they wore black, they listened to heavy metal, and according to the New York Times, Eccles dabbled in Wicca, things like that. And there were all these kind of problematic details related to the investigation and to the trials But the end result was that all three of the young men were convicted without any physical evidence tying them to the crime. Miss Kelly and Baldwin then received life sentences, and Damian Eccles was actually sentenced to death. And then that's where things get even more unusual. After they spent nearly 20 years behind bars, the three men reached kind of a a bizarre plea deal. It was actually an Alford plea with prosecutors that, that allowed them to A, plead guilty, B, maintain their innocence, and C be released from prison. So that was in 2011. They've been out of prison since, but those convictions are still on their records and they've been fighting to to clear their names. So Reed, that brings us up to the news you covered right here on The Daily Crime back in July. Right. Uh, Patrick Benka, one of Damian Eccles' attorneys, told KTHV 11 over the summer that one of the terms of that plea deal was that they would be able to continue testing evidence from the case And he said his team was asking for some of that evidence because they wanted to do some DNA testing using new tools that weren't available when this case was initially playing out. And what we learned back in July was that they weren't able to get any of the evidence. And not only that, but what Benka said was that he was told that most of the evidence was likely lost or destroyed in a fire. But we now know it wasn't destroyed. So what happened? Yeah, exactly. In December... KTHV learned that all of the evidence that was thought to have been destroyed still exists. There's evidence the whole time that could have overturned this conviction 
you know, the 20 years ago. This is monumental. Oh, yeah. the, the evidence was there. After 18 months of fighting to see evidence that was once believed to be destroyed, Damien Eccles' legal team got their chance. And they reported that lawyers for Damien Eccles finally had a chance to actually go through some of that evidence, which reportedly includes shoelaces that were used to tie up the victims. And, and again, what they want to do with this evidence is test it for DNA, and they specifically want to use a process that's known as, as MVAC testing. MVAC testing, which is a vacuum procedure that removes whatever DNA is there. Reed, is that exactly what it sounds like, a vacuum for DNA? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it kind of looks like a water pick if you've ever used one of those, but uh, it looks like it does pretty much the opposite. The website for the company that makes it says that it acts as a sterile wet vacuum and they have a little you know how it works section on their website uh, that says collection solution is sprayed onto the surface while simultaneously being vacuumed off of the surface. It creates a mini hurricane that loosens the DNA material, which is transferred to the collection bottle and later concentrated onto a filter. The website also says that MVAC allows DNA to be collected from porous areas that are otherwise difficult, if not impossible, to reach. So in this case, we have you know a porous material in these shoelaces, and it sounds like this is a tool that that could be able to help extract DNA from that. And attorneys for Damien Eccles are hopeful that that DNA could then be used to actually exonerate the West Memphis Three. We'd certainly want to bring some measure of closure to the families of these three children, and of course, hopefully. Uh, in, the, in that same moment, exonerate uh, Damian Eccles, Jason Baldwin, and Jesse Miskelly. So where are things at then with this case? Is the DNA testing already underway? That's a good question. Not yet. Uh, last week, Damian Eccles said in a tweet, the prosecutor in Arkansas has refused to cooperate with new DNA testing. He says if we want it done, we'll have to fight for it in court. We recently told you about new hope that recently rediscovered evidence could lead to a positive ID on the real killer. But now the prosecutor's office is pushing back and setting up a possible court battle. So apparently the former prosecutor had agreed to allow the testing if evidence was found. But there's a new prosecutor, Keith Crestman, and he asked Damien Eccles' lawyers to go through the courts to file a request for that evidence to be tested, uh, which, which Eccles' attorneys say they were surprised by, but, but they say they're going ahead with that request. We waited 18 months from the time that the former prosecutor had agreed to allow us to test this evidence. It's outrageous. Why in the world, after waiting 18 months uh, to find this evidence, would the prosecutor ask us to go through this formality when it's unnecessary? We reached out to the prosecuting attorney's office with questions, and we haven't heard back. This week, they filed that petition, and if it is granted, the DNA will finally be tested, and that'll happen at a forensic lab chosen and paid for by Damien Eccles' legal team. So what could all of this potentially mean, not just for these three men, but for the investigation as a whole? Yeah, that's something that I talked about a little bit with Mercedes McKay when we covered this over the summer. You know, wrongful convictions don't just affect the people who are wrongfully convicted. They also leave a perpetrator on the loose and they leave the families of the victims without justice. And, and not only that, but without their case continuing to be investigated. You know, if the West Memphis Three are exonerated at the end of all of this, the other real tragedy here is that the murders of three second grade boys have gone not only unsolved, but not even investigated for nearly 30 years. And that can't be undone. But if this testing does show that Damien Eccles, Jesse Miss Kelly and Jason Baldwin weren't involved, 
that's at least a first step toward finding who the real killer or killers are. The public interest is only served by moving this along and testing the forensic evidence as soon as possible. A 58-year-old man in Washington state was recently sentenced to 25 years for the poisoning death of his wife in 2018. Will, tell us about the case. Yeah, so Reed, this happened in Cheney, Washington, not far from Spokane. David Pettis was charged with first-degree murder back in July of 2019. Investigators believed that he had killed his wife the previous year using a lethal dose of prescription medications. Those medications, according to investigators, had been put in the ice cream she was eating. According to court documents, Pettis told officers he found his wife lying face down on the floor of their home in June of 2018. He told officers he'd fallen asleep on the couch, his wife was still awake, and when he woke up, he found her on the ground. And during their initial investigation, Pettis gave police officers a box containing prescription hydrocodone and trazodone pills. He told them he obtained the trazodone from a third party, but said the hydrocodone may have been from his previous prescription for a shoulder injury. Pettis also said that Peggy, his wife, would mix her pills with alcohol and had done so on the night of her death. And then also to get to the ice cream, court documents say that Pettis told detectives that Peggy needed to take medication by crushing up the pills and mixing them with ice cream. However, detectives found that none of the prescription medications in the home could be linked to Peggy and none of the pill bottles had her name on them. And then finally, a toxicology report stated she had multiple drugs in her system, but no alcohol. There were also no medical records referencing a problem swallowing. So uh, his claim that she needed to take medications with ice cream seemed suspicious, and a physical cause of death was not found during the surgical part of the autopsy. While this investigation was playing out, I know police got some help from Peggy's sister. Tell us about that. Yes, Peggy's sister, who actually lived next door to the couple, contacted the sheriff's office and reported that she thought Peggy's death was suspicious. And the reason for that, she actually spoke of several things to police, according to documents, due to financial circumstances that had to do with his overspending, statements that Pettis had made about his wife's passing. And also, Peggy's sister had concerns that he was having an extramarital affair. And another detail that's tied up in all this there was a life insurance policy, right? Yes, that's exactly right. Through the course of their investigation, detectives found that Pettis had assisted in taking out a life insurance policy on his wife worth $150,000 that became effective on June 22nd, 2018. And he was the sole beneficiary of that life insurance policy. This case went to trial last year in late November. Bring us up to speed. What's happened in the time since then? So in July 2019, Pettis pled not guilty to the charge. His trial began, as you say, in late November, November 30th of last year in Spokane. The jury ultimately found him guilty of murdering his wife. The family asked the court for life in prison, and just earlier this month, the judge in the case handed down a 25-year prison sentence, essentially a life sentence for a man his age, as the judge said in court during that sentencing hearing. One final note, David Pettis's daughter, Elizabeth Culp, rushed to hug her father after he was sentenced. She insists her father is not guilty of her mother's murder. My dad still loved my mom. And I know that he was not capable of this. 
All right, Will, thank you. And thanks to KTHV in Little Rock and Kremchi News in Spokane, Washington for their reporting on both of these cases. And thanks to you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're right here with a new one every day of the week, Monday through Friday. If you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to or following the podcast wherever it is you're listening right now. If you're looking for more podcasts, you can head over to vaultstudios.com for a full list of our shows that includes our weekly podcast, True Crime Chronicles. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, along with Will Johnson, I'm Reed Redmond. 